Tony Award-winning actress, singer, dancer Katie Huffman is a throwback to a time when performers brought their unique take and personality to a role, not a commercial American Idol sameness. Katie wowed Broadway audiences and won a Tony for her hilarious turn as Ula in The Producers. And although she's operatically trained and a lover of meticulous preparation, Katie also enjoys jazz singing and improvisation. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked Katie what she likes to hear when she listens to other singers. Actually, you know who I can't listen to? I can mm. certainly appreciate is Frank Sinatra. He, like, I can't really listen to him sing. Now, that's interesting. Why yeah. is that? Something about, I think it's because he holds his consonants, which drives me nuts. <laughs> now, that's fascinating. Do an example of what you mean by that. Can um, you sing that? Can you do What a- does he sing? Like, what's a big one of his songs? Uh, 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 well, now I'm, all I can think is Tony Bennett songs. But um, he'll sing... Oh, shoot. Come fly with me. <laughs> come fly with me. I don't know. Come. He'll like hold oh. the M instead of, I don't know. His phrasing confuses me. I don't get it. It sounds very, to me, it just sounds like someone who doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, that's But obviously he's Frank Sinatra and there's certain genius about what he's doing too, but it does not please me to listen to him. That's fascinating because people always talk about his phrasing because of his his Tommy Dorsey connection and phrasing like a trombone player and things like that. But you're keying in on the consonants. Consonants just drive me No, that's me fascinating. Nuts. And I think it's because it is partly the opera background. Mm. You really get, you are working so hard to get those beautiful vowels. Right. And they're much easier to make sound good and to make a sound with a vowel, you know, Consonants are closed, tend to be closed mouth, and vowels are open, so you, you know, get a much fuller sound. So, yeah, holding consonants. Misshapen vowels will drive me crazy, too, when, like, Broadway singers will get that just an, it'll just be an open sound rather than the correct vowel. Can you do that, too? I'm fascinated. No, singers, listen to this. I hate to put you on the spot, but it's a fascinating thing. It's a music lesson. Yeah, particularly when you start singing real high, which everybody's, like, trying to scream everything now. Right, right. So what's a song? um, God, you're putting me on the spot with trying to think of songs. I know. I love it. But sing Uh, anything. I love it. um, (laughs) Let me even think. Well, I'll just sing a song that I've sung, I guess. Like, even, well, I can't sing that because it's with a Swedish accent. You know with a Swedish accent. I, like I know, it. but then those vowels are supposed to be funny, right? <laughs> it's like, well, then that's something else altogether. Uh, um, like if you're saying Willamania was one of my songs right. in the Will Rogers song. Sing Willamania. What are you doing? Willamania. If you're our wh, 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 wh instead of wh, you know, uh, it's I like, know exactly. That's I mean, it's not even a good example, but it's really an improper sound when you're trying to really. Particularly when you're trying to tell a story mm. and you're not telling I, – I can't even understand the word you're trying to say because right. you're not even – well. And, and particularly when singers are trying to do all that screaming that they do high. It just right. becomes an open vowel, which I certainly do from time to time mm. because you have to hit the note in a certain way. But when you hear a soloist kind of singing a whole song around these crazy – vowels that don't actually exist, that can drive me crazy. Those are things that most people don't think about. And I think it's wonderful because you're educating people that 
think of themselves as singers that maybe they don't think of those things. No. And it just it isn't pleasing to the ear. And it's hard. Well, even in choral situations, mm. you know, you, you get those choral, you know, and your teacher remember right. you, so when you sang in chorus, you all had to have that very long oh ah and when you hear it, it sounds so beautiful. And really, if, you, if anybody starts going with that flat A, E, it just is not as pretty, particularly that full sound of everybody singing a beautiful vowel. I can get excited by that. <laughs> I can get excited by that. <laughs> That's the thing. I read something, and I can't think who wrote the book, but it was, I think, called on being a novelist. And... He said that when people came to him and said they wanted to be writers, he'd always say, well, do you like words? Mm. Do you like sentences? Because yeah. everybody likes the idea of being a novelist the same way they like the idea of being a singer. But I love you talking about that because you are excited by those mm. things. It Just the me. sound of a vowel. Yeah. And that is exciting. And that's what goes to the core of you wanting to sing and make those beautiful sounds. When did you start training your voice? Were you doing this from a very early age? Yeah, I was nine mm. when I started with um, this fantastic teacher in Santa Barbara who saw him. Her, her daughter was actually one of my first acting teachers. And she heard me sing. I think I was singing I, I was a song that her son wrote. Um, but then this woman offered classes to me and she was this old time soprano from New York City like one literally one of the very first people to be sent via the vacuum tube on television you know I mean like she's that wow, old right so she taught me this very disciplined singing which when I finally graduated high school and went on to work my singing teacher was like what are you actually doing explain to me what you're actually doing because it was like gymnastics going on in my mouth I could make it make my larynx, my palate, everything could sort of move around and sort of do whatever I needed it to do. But it also sort of made me have a different position for every note I sang, which wow. is like a little bit working too hard mm. for what I needed. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and opera is one thing. And I, I really don't know if it's even an up-to-date opera technique anymore. I don't know, you know, because mm. I didn't go on to sing opera professionally. But then I got to be a professional in the the teacher's like, well, let's try to make your singing more like talking. So I started sort of combining the two techniques. And fortunately, I did have these sort of gymnastics that I could call upon at any moment to, I mean, you'll be in, on stage and in the middle of a note, you'll have to change because your voice is tired or, you know, there's a niche somewhere. So you have to be able to adjust imperceptibly to the audience. Mm. But you need to be able to Make that make adjustment. That adjustment, yeah. Oh, that's so fascinating. She gave me this crazy technique that I fully appreciate to this well, day. Well, I would think so. Just doing a Broadway show, everybody always talks about that. I can't imagine. I lose my voice very easily. So I've been really working on techniques not to lose it. Yeah, You know, sure. noisy rooms, staying out of these things, just not talking. But also the kind of discipline it takes to be able to do a show and do that. Oh, that's, are you constantly thinking about that? Constantly. Yeah. And um constant vocal rest. You know, I, I have definitely walked around four weeks at a time just writing things down, not really? talking during the day. Yeah, not just being to able save to, it. Just to save it because I was in the middle of a run. And then how much do you warm up before the actual performance? I have a, a very set warm-up that mm. I do that I can practically do without thinking about it. Mm. And then I can adjust that to, depending on what I'm going to be seeing that, mm -hmm. I either emphasize the bright 
side of my voice or I'll emphasize the more uh, rich side of my voice. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's just like an easy scales and vowels. And and then once I get through a basic probably 10-minute warm-up, my voice tends to warm up very quickly. Then I have a few songs that I sing dependent on what I'm singing that night. Mm. I can choose from, I sing stuff from Oklahoma Mm. or from Pippin, or I have this terribly, this old song my mother taught me that I can sing with several different vowel sounds in it. I can change the vowel sounds just to warm up my mouth and my, so I'll just, yeah, it's a, I got my own thing. <laughs> no, it's great. How long is it? How long is your uh, warm-up? Well, b- the basic warm-up, I think, is about 10 minutes. Yeah, and so it's not that long. No, it's not very long. You cut the, I don't want to over-sing. And then I'll sort of do a test. You know, depending on what I need to sing, I'll do a test to make sure I can get there. And then I can just stretch a little bit more if I need, if I'm really singing high that night and I don't feel like it's quite there. I can just do a little more stretching and, mm-hmm. and get it there. When you got it. Planked it Step right up and strut your stuff People tell you modesty's a weird you But in the theater modesty can hurt you Then you got it Planked it Show your assets, let them know you're proud your good is you must push, stick your chest out, shake your tush. When you got it, shout it out loud. Now, Ula, dance.
Show the boys your birthday suit. Then you got it. If you got it. Once you got it. Shout out. Hooray. My guest, Katie Huffman, in her Tony Award winning role of Ula in the Broadway hit The Producers. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Thinking about all those techniques and training and all of that, and what you hear when you hear some of the jazz singers, because there's such a huge variety. I'm sure opera people, there's a big variety with that, but they've all been trained in a a way. To where jazz people, there's people from Ella to Blossom, Deary, who I know you like both of them. So talk about Ella. She's... One that has that pure, huge, but pure. Yeah, good. I mean, smooth, easy. I just when I listen to her, I think, wow. I really don't care if she has any emotional connection to this song. I just want to hear her sing. Mm. And and I am assuming she does because I love it so much. But really, it's just the sound of her voice. Though I know that we meet every night. And we couldn't have changed since the last time To my joy and delight It's a new kind of love at first sight Though it's you and it's I all the time Every meeting's a marvelous pastime You're increasingly sweet So whenever we happen to meet I greet you with a song in my heart I behold your adorable face Just a song at the start But it soon is a hymn to your grace When the music swells I'm touching your hand It tells that you're standing near sound of your voice heaven opens its portals to me can I help but rejoice that a song such as ours came to be but I always knew
And then when you hear her singing with somebody like Louie, mm. they sound like they're having so much fun. And, and so you like Louie. That doesn't bother you that his voice sounds that way. Oh, you know what? No. No quality of voice. I've always kind of been disappointed that my voice tends to be very pure. Mm. That I And that's sort of what I've protected all these years and then I've sung a few shows like the producers that really kind of damaged the voice my voice for a while singing in that accent and for two and a half years and it was really hard on my voice but I kind of like well there's there's a new little there's a little glitch when I get up to these higher notes now but I kind of like it it's like I kind of like oh it feels funny to me because I'm so used to having this sort of seamless line. But I've had people going, man, you sound better than ever. And I'm like, that's interesting because it's much rougher than it used to be. Well, not much. It's a little rougher than it used to be. So it's permanently changed your voice. I think it ha- It may have. It oh, may that's have. that's interesting. And I'm not so worried about singing soprano anymore anyway. You know, mm. I don't get asked to do I've ne- never been asked to do it. I sing a little bit of soprano every now and then, but it's not like I'm going to be a coloratura. Right, I mean? I'm right. Not, I'm not being asked to do that anymore. Or never was, so I'm. I'm. I mean, I wish I had that a little bit more interesting voice. You know, like a sound. Like you have the husky. I'm like, well, how much whiskey do I need to drink? To, you know, to <laughs> I've had a hard like life, that. baby. I'll tell you what I've been through. I'm and you, like, you can too, can have this voice. Cigarettes and drinking whiskey. That maybe that would uh, help. We'll hang out more. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if I hang out with you, jazz musicians, I'm sure. Uh, but I do. I love the individual sound of the of who I consider to be the greats, you know, that they are not all simply pure. And even the great opera singers. Mm. I mean, Maria Callas has that funny little soprano voice. But boy, the connection emotionally was amazing.
What about Blossom Deary? Because I know you like Blossom, too. I mean, I love to put Blossom to juxtapose that with Ella, because if ever there were two very different singers. Yeah. Well, and Blossom's a piano player, too. So she sits down, plays the piano, talks to her audience, tells jokes, and then sings a song. Um, it, she's a communicator, you know? She just sucks you in. Uh, she's got that little kind of voice, and hi, I'd like to welcome you to... You know, and she tells some silly little joke about mice, and and you listen and you laugh, and you kind of go, "What did she just say?" You know, no, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. I'll listen. I'll think, "Why is this so funny? Why is that funny?" It's like but the it silliest is. little story. I don't know why is she so funny. She's just got the talent. You know, she's got that little cadence that we recognize as funny, and it is funny. And then she goes on to sing, <laughs> uh, you know, those funny songs about I, I'm hip, I'm hip. About him having a beard and having it. It's like, I, 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 I love you. I love you. I love you. And she plays the piano, which for me is always like, oh, I should have continued my studies because I just stink on the piano. Oh, you were doing <laughs> other things. I was doing other things, yes. If I had another life to live or three or four. Yes, exactly. A, yeah. <laughs> There'd be a few things I'd do. My next song's called I'm Hip. And this is... Uh, the most requested song in my repertoire. Bob DeRoe wrote the music, and Dave Frischberg wrote the words. The ever-popular, I'm hip. I'm 
Blossom Deary on I'm Hip. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. For discography of the music played on our show and a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about my music and what I'm doing, and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. My guest is Tony Award-winning actress Katie Huffman. Were you dancing the whole time growing up? Were you doing dancing, acting, all those lessons? Yeah, everything? constantly. I had my first acting lesson when I was six, first ballet lesson at seven, which I had begged my mother, begged and begged and begged from the time I was about three, and then uh, singing when I was nine. So I just kept on performing. And, and did you love all that, having all those studies and everything? Did you feel I, like that was – I mean, you didn't know anything else, but did you uh, love it I, then? Absolutely. Yeah. I know I, I, I didn't realize anybody else didn't do that or didn't know what they wanted to do. I mean, I was completely self-motivated and, you know, just like, see you later. I'm going to go do my thing. It was just completely my life and I loved it. Well, talk about Will Rogers Follies because that certainly had its jazz connection with Cy Coleman. Yeah. For me. I mean, I'm Yeah, of course, yeah, right? And, and I think the Broadway people are not as familiar with Cy's jazz side. Right, exactly. Which he was such a well-respected jazz musician absolutely and such an interesting cat i mean he was like just you know those genius people who you sit around with like what what makes your mind work like that like why did you think to do that like no one else such an individual once again individual voice an individual way of thinking and and i think it's um partly that uh you know it's letting go of caring really what anybody else thinks like do you stop listening to yourself stop listening to the to anybody else and start finding your own voice and that's god he had that in spades and he would write these uh songs for musical theater with some chord progressions that are like wow maybe maybe people don't really understand it but it can really you hear that influence and they're so fun to try to figure out how to sing because they're not just square pop music. Like you really have to, oh, and you realize, especially with lyricists like uh, Comden and Green, you know. So that, it has to be that note and it has to be that word. And I'm telling this story. So, oh, they, did, they wrote it like this because 
I'm telling because I'm telling this story, which is not always obvious when you first hear a song. And the more you kind of break down the song and start singing it more and more, the more you start understanding. Oh my God! It really does have to be that note, and it has to be that word, and we're—it's all coming together. And I'm telling that story, and it's well. That's you know, the greatest so song thrilling. that makes that happen. How yeah. do you do that when you're? What's your process with something like that? Like, for instance, just take that—that that musical, being in that, and some of some of those tunes. Yeah, I, I really had the one big tune called Willamania, like the silly song. Like, what does it even mean, Willamania? <laughs> really, nothing. Um, that one was sort of a vocal challenge because it's a very high belt. But I'm, what I'm telling, I'm telling the story of, I'm, I'm opening the show telling the story of Will Rogers, who a lot of Americans don't remember anymore. Just sort of his popularity. I'm expressing sort of his star quality, his popularity. And it's a very flashy kind of song. You know, and I'm moving a lot doing it. And every day, I just, I had nightmares while I was in rehearsal for this because I, it just seemed like he was raising it a step every day. Wow. Like, and he got me to sing a way I never knew I could. Oh, that's interesting. because yeah, I was always a soprano. I could sing very high, but it's sort of the, the quality of my voice had to become something else to sing this song. And once you find it, or once I found it, you know, then you can never sing it any other way, and it becomes completely freeing and and exciting because it's I can I could sing this at any moment, you know, just like come out and belt these notes that I never knew I had. My guest, Katie Huffman on Willamania, 
from the cast album of the Will Rogers Follies. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. 
I kind of work slowly, truthfully. I like to really go through every note and really? in the phrasing and and figure out. It's like if I'm singing something like Leonard Bernstein, I don't want to change a count. You know, I like his phrasing to me is perfect. So when I sing something by Bernstein, I really try to keep it purely what's written on the page because that's what excites me about his music is looking at why is that a dotted quarter note instead of a quarter note? Oh, because of what I'm expressing here. I mean, it's really like, oh, his phrasing is for me perfect. Whereas another composer, you get a little more chance to stretch things out, close it up, not take that breath, but take it here and, you know, get a more of your own chance to, for your own monologue to sort of uh, define the song. Mm. So I kind of like breaking down. I'm very slow. I like to break down note by note and figure out why and what for and what's the... And then when it all comes together, I, I'm thrilled. <laughs> well, but you're really breaking it down and you're singing each part of it and seeing how it feels and how it sounds, but also looking at it on the page and thinking about it. Yeah. I love to look at it on the page. It's very hard for me to learn a song without being able to see the song. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I really can't learn something by listening to somebody else do it. And you're looking at it on the page because you're actually looking at how it's written and yeah. the phrasing that way from a musical standpoint. Yeah. That's it's fascinating. Like understanding, yeah, just really what it looks like. Oh, it, it, Yeah, no, it's fascinating. What and, happens- I, and also as a musical theater performer, I'm telling a story. Right. I'm not a vocalist. Just trying to sound good on a recording. Well, that's what I mean, and that's interesting because those are those aren't two different things, but they're the different focus of you as the actor. Yeah, and if I'm going to sing it on a recording, I'll sing it differently. Even the recording for a cast album, I'll sing it differently. That's what I was going to say. So how is that different? That was my question because you're not within the play. Yeah, you're so, telling the same story. Right. Um, but really, you want it to sound really great for the recording. Whereas, you know, how live performances, mm. you know, as a jazz musician, sometimes, sometimes right. the mistakes are what make it right. kind of great. So, so it, you on, think that same way? Oh, God, yeah. And, and the audience being the new character every night. So that audience is going to dictate, too, some of the phrasing, some of the feeling of the, the evening, the laugh here, or the applause there, where you're trying to get them to hear everything they need to hear. And, you know, it's a very different environment than sitting in a studio and wanting them to hear the melody that was written. And, you know, it's, it's just a different. And I want to sound really good. This is for posterity. I want to sound, you know, I want them right. to think, oh, Katie hit all those notes, just not right. not just most of them, you know. So I just want to make sure it's it's a that the that the composer who is sitting right there is really happy with right. what they're hearing. You what know? do you what do you focus on doing an evening of singing that's not on stage in a very different thing like how you and my Kasha met doing that yeah. show? What was that like? Because are those tunes that you've broken down at home that you've thought about that you've What's that like? Well, that was really fun. We just did one song that night. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I went into rehearsal. And uh, unfortunately, it was a friend of ours who had passed away. And his wife had asked us to perform uh, a song that her husband had sung on a recording. Choose a song. So I chose Smile, the Charlie Chaplin song. And so I go into rehearse with Mike and his piano player. And... um, they're like, so what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. I've never sung it before. 
oh, really? <laughs> like, none of us had, like, like, we all assumed that somebody else had, like, the music or the lyrics or something. So we were just in this room like, oh, no, I've never sung this before. I figured you'd have something for me to look at. Well, that's really different for you, too. The yeah. person who goes through these things, tears them apart. Right. But fun. Because this is not, I'm not in a Broadway show. Now I am doing a performance of a song that I can do anything with. And Smile is such a great song and has been sung a few different ways. And I, the, the version I was most familiar was with, with was the Nat King Cole version, which swings. But then his piano player came up with something completely different. And he started starts into this groove and I just fit in. It's like, yeah, I, I quick wrote down the, the lyrics as far as I could remember it and they filled in what I couldn't remember. So I just had my little handwritten lyrics and then we just sort of, yeah, I feel that. Let's just go with that. We'll do, you know, A, B, B, A. You'll take your solo here. You'll take your solo there and, and we'll just put it together and do a song, which I love, 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 love. It's It's a very different animal than having to break it down and, you know, take every little moment. And that type of evening, I did. I kind of screwed up on my lyrics. Just Not that I screwed up on them. I sort of forgot them for a second. Mm. So I kind of did a little la, 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 la. And then so two bars went by where no singing was going on and I went into it. But I knew the guys backing me up were right. You know, they did exactly. I knew when to come in. They knew what was going on. And it just, you know, it's just one of those moments. You're like, good, good, great. I'm confident because we're all musicians. And that's the thrilling part of it. I'm another instrument in that case. It's a different reality. We're all Mm. playing instruments. We're all fitting into this before. It was very, very fun. Smile Though your heart is aching Smile even though it's breaking When there are clouds in the sky You'll get by If you smile through your fear and sorrow Smile and maybe tomorrow You'll see the sun Come shining through For you Light up your face with gladness Hide every trace of sadness Although a tear may be ever so near That's the time you must keep on trying Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile Nat King Cole on Smile I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired my guest is Tony Award winning actress Katie Huffman Jazz is really one of the instrumental styles that can make me laugh Mm. which Mm -hmm. does not happen a lot 
in classical, though it can certainly. I mean, I think I laugh, I laugh a lot more at concerts than most people do. Mm-hmm. But like last night, I heard you in your quartet. I was just bah. <laughs> There's something <laughs> so joyful about it. Yeah, and and enjoying it with the musicians. I was and just the the choices that they made on their solos. I think that Mike came out with like Hava Nagila or something at some point. It's like, oh my God. Jazz really makes me laugh. And I. It makes me laugh. It's better, right? Absolutely. (laughs) It is so joyful. And thank you for that. And I feel that way. I choose people for that, that I want to play with, that are going to get that same, that want the same thing. Yeah. Because you're there for that amount of time together. And you're creating this thing. And if you're not going to have fun with it, then why are we all here together? Yeah, I think too many people think it's a very serious kind of endeavor. Yeah, well, we're very serious about the craft of it. Yeah. But we're... When we're on stage, we're there to have a good time. We want to have a good time and have the audience have a good time. Like you say, there's, that's the other character. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the best jazz musicians, and a lot of them don't do this, and this is one of my pet peeves about it, they're playing just for themselves. Yeah. And that's wrong. Then, yeah. then stay home. Yeah. And, you know, play you're in a room. A or after. You're not... Yeah, you're not a performer. But jazz, something else does happen. It's a performance piece. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a performance activity, or should be, if you're in front of people. Yeah, exactly. Like what you're doing, you're on stage, is that you're involving the audience, and then that really does affect how you play. Yeah, absolutely. The Mike's making those quotes because of that, or or one of the other musicians is making uh, – Play something they weren't planning on playing because Absolutely. they're looking at can, that audience. Exactly, and you know that was. Ha- I mean, I know well, that I did was that happening. a lot. You saw it. I did. Yeah, it a lot. I was like, ah, oh, oh yeah. And even even last night, we were you were playing on a barge in the middle of the East River. The motion of that boat affected the way you guys play. Oh, absolutely. That was like, oh, like absolutely. we were all really getting this groove. Of, yeah. Did you, know, you notice like, that I did Honeysuckle Rosewood, the, the slow beat, and I thought, I'm going to do it exactly. I, and you I'm sure conscious. did. I yeah. Did it the, the like, rhythm of the rocking. Is, yeah. Yeah. And, but, and like, it's like Rockabye Baby at that point. Like, oh man, that's something that kind of warms you up on the inside when you're getting like a, it's not just an audio experience. You're getting a visceral experience. Literally, your, your muscles and your insides are feeling the music. Exactly. Oh, it's just amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. (laughs) Well, I think it's an example of of anything inspiring you and being more aware. Anything can inspire And in touch with all of that because it's one of the great things I think we have as professional, professionally creative people is that that is our, you know, raison d'etre is to Mm – constantly find things to inspire us or our, it's like our little pores are always open and our antenna are out and so for that I noticed when I started that tune that oh you know the barge is kind of rocking then I thought ooh I can use that yeah and I think and I don't know if the guys I'd have to ask them if they were conscious of it but now I know you were oh absolutely that I'm going to do this and maybe the guys will get into the way the barge is rocking they did and even that you know the trombone starts playing and he had Particularly in the beginning of Honeysuckle, which was the slow right, kind of right. second. And he, I don't remember, he had some spectacular mutes. But whatever he came up with was such a kind of sultry, 
you know, New Orleans kind of sway. You just saw yeah. women with fans and hips swaying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it's great. I think that it's something everybody can benefit from because people always say, oh, live in the moment and all of that stuff, which then just becomes a phrase that means nothing. Yeah, that you know, means nothing. But I was just thinking the same thing, that yeah. it's, it's really taking what is happening right this second. That's what it is. It's really being aware what of what's – that's it. You keep bringing it back. And not being in that stilted environment that a lot of times classical music falls into now where if everything isn't perfect, then it can – then it's it, nothing. It's nothing. And the audience isn't isn't allowed to clap, isn't allowed to do anything. And I have some classical friends who are really trying to break through with, no, that's, you know, let's make this a much more accessible thing. But you'll go to those concerts where you really feel like an idiot if you – Oh, no. I feel like I'm going to get in you trouble. And you're like, oh, 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 sorry. I'm sorry. always doing yeah, that. Yeah, I know, right? You feel like you're going to get in trouble. When <laughs> – once again, classical music was the popular music of its time, too. And people clapped. Yeah, people went nuts. Yeah. And it's, oh, but anyway. Yeah, that's the beauty of jazz is, is famous for that, too, is that it is what's happening at that moment because there's so much improvisation and, you know, within a structure, which I think so many people cannot grasp, that you guys know where you're going and what you're doing. And there is improvisation within it. I mean, that's that's a difficult concept for some people. Yeah. And that, that might be what makes people think jazz is mysterious or something. But it really is what's happening at that moment. And if someone's, you know, you see the the guitar player kind of adjusting a, a, his, his... His tuning, his yeah. His tuning in the middle of his solo. I know. Even I was impressed with how fast he did that. Oh, what, he, what the heck? He didn't expect me to say that he was going to do it, and then all of a sudden he went, Whoosh. Did it bump it? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and he suddenly did it. Talk about that. in the moment. Yeah. Just totally in the moment. Or seeing a great violinist break a string and still finish what they're doing. It's like, okay. All right. God bless you. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. Just go with it. And that happens, you know, constantly in, in live performance if you're, if you're really proficient at it. And that's the exciting thing is, like you said, you take it very seriously. But you have to be aware that anything can happen. Oh, yeah. And be ready for it. And take that seriously, too. And, you know, go with it. Just whatever's going to happen. If it's funny, if, if it's not, and like whatever happens, you just keep on What was playing. the craziest thing that ever happened to you in live performance that you had to keep going? Oh, God, I've had... You've had lots of them, but does one does one come fall out? Clothes off. Uh, Have you had clothes fall oh, off? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had my pants fall off during Will Rogers' Follies. Actually, I was wearing it was just my chaps, but they sort of punk, you know. And I'm singing by myself on stage and dancing around, and I'm sort of unaware of it until I sort of can feel it. They're <laughs> going, so I kept singing. Fortunately, our microphones are in our heads, so we don't not holding anything in our hands. Though I did have a branding iron in my hand, so I just kept singing. I took off the chaps, threw them off stage, and continued on with the thing. Pretty it's like, smooth. Well, you know what else you gonna do? Pretty smooth. I've thrown the branding iron into the audience. You know, it flew in. I keep singing, and I ask the guy to, you know, keep singing the song, and someone brings it to me, and I continue. Yeah. You know, and we've had, and the producers, the there was a blackout. So we ended up doing almost the whole second act. Well, the second half of the second act, uh, in um, just uh, emergency lights, which the audience went crazy for. Well, of course. Well, no, the audience loves that because then they're then they're really in there. They love yeah. that stuff. But those big set pieces aren't moving. Like everything is sort of half moved. Sort of half of this set and half of that set. Like what are you going to do? Well, Oh no. Well, going. the people do love that. That's that's yeah. a thing I think that's a big release too when you finally 
you know, if you've performed long enough that you realize you can just, the audience loves that stuff. They're in on it. Just keep, they're in on it. Yeah. They're in on it. But where are those good old-fashioned values on which we used to rely? It used to be a big-time star. All right. Now, with all the stuff that you've done, I'm yeah. such a huge fan. Oh. I just think you're the greatest. But I have to. I'm leading up to yes. that you had a project with Family Guy. Oh, please. I love there, that show. Yeah. And is there anybody who has more reverence for the Broadway musical? These people are fantastic. How often does it come up in that show? And you're just so surprised and delighted, I must say, that it's on that show. And it's, I don't know if it's bringing it to a new new audience or what, because it's so bizarre and great and funny. And so he's bringing out these these crazy Broadway tunes and he's writing music. He's writing lyrics to either music that exists or he's he's just doing all this crazy stuff so there he and alex borston came to do their um live show at a comedy store oh, here i'd love in to New see York. that yep. yeah and there was a song uh that he they had recorded i think with patty lapone mm-hmm. but patty couldn't make it so alex called me because i'd worked with her before Say, will you come in and sing the song? So literally, I, I look. I heard it that morning. They sent me a lyric sheet, and we went on that night and did it twice. You know, two different shows. Crazy. It had to be. The and, animator people are crazy. Yeah, and this this kid who who did the whole thing. This is a live show. They're singing A to Z crazy songs. You know, whatever comes to mind. Talk about improv and being skilled and whatever happens happens and me just coming on singing a song and leaving you know it was such a different experience for me that's not my comfort zone right, certainly because right, right. they really don't know what they're going to do when and they, they don't care there. and they don't care oh yeah and they're hilarious and the audience is going nuts so yeah so I'm very impressed experience. well I think you rock and now that I know about the family guy connection no <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Thank you so much for doing oh, this, Katie. You. It took us forever. I know. I'm we glad did, we did it. This is great. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to actress, singer, dancer Katie Huffman. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with my Cashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about what I'm doing and my music, visit judycarmichael.com. Special thanks to NOLA Studios in New York City and our webmaster, Megan Lewis. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons. 
Additional support is provided by the American Hotel, Sag Harbor, New York. Visit online at theamericanhotel.com. And from Jazz Festival Brazil, Brazil's largest jazz festival, presented in seven cities across the country. Visit jazzfestivalbrazil.com.br for more information.